Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is my friend and colleague over here, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everybody. Uh, in case you didn't know, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and we have a lot of really cool and fun stuff to talk to you about this week. And I think I'm going to kick it off by talking to you about the latest car from Mercedes-AMG. Well, I say car when I mean crossover, Ben. Um, I had the GLC 63 AMG, uh, there's more to this name, S-Formatic <laughs> Plus. Wow. Yeah, when, when you say you had it, did you have it at home or did you go somewhere fun and exotic to drive it? I drove to the exotic location of Stuttgart, Germany to test the new um, AMG. And uh, that's important because I think uh, Stuttgart is the home base for uh, Daimler and Mercedes. And also nearby, uh, Falterback is where they make some of the motors for AMG, uh, AMG cars. Some of the motors? Yes, yeah, some of them. Um, basically, any of the V8s, so the 5.5 and 4 liter AMG V8s, which are hand built uh, with this philosophy of one man or woman uh, to one machine. So I, I, I seem to remember a time, though, when every AMG engine was hand-built. I think we talked about this a little bit last week or the week before when we were talking about the E43 AMG, mm. and we determined that that vehicle does not have a hand-built motor anymore, or that, at all, sorry. That car doesn't have a hand-built motor, and then the V12s um, used in the 65 series of cars are also not built in a falterback. I think they're built... Um, I think, for example, the G65 uh, engines are built in Austria, I think. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, and, and I think the, I, I'm not quite sure where the four-cylinder is built, but it's also built in a specific area that isn't the, the factory that those cars are built in. So it's really spread out now. It's kind of AMG's kind of come into its own, and you know they've been wholly absorbed into Mercedes-Benz in terms of philosophy and operations and whatnot, and it's kind of it's, – it's, it's, it's it's hard to separate the two now. They're they're it's they're I wouldn't I'm not going to use the word diluted, but it really seems like they've product management wise, Mercedes is calling the shots. Well, yeah, they spread it all uh, all around, and I believe that the those 43 AMG cars are built different. I mean, the the motors are a bit different than the ones that are than the regular six cylinder models, or that they used to be. But you're right; they seem a little bit more um, tame in comparison to what. Uh, the real AMG's got. And it's really cool because um, the uh, Falterback plant that we, we actually got to check out also makes the 7-liter V12 that goes in Pagani Wyras and the GT3s also um, and the upcoming Aston Martin uh, V8. Um, uh, sorry, the DV11 V8 will be made in a Falterback as well. Yeah. Huh. Cool, so, eh? so, so yeah, you were there to, uh, you know, it's oh, funny. right. Yes, you, I was well, driving. I, was, I also drove a car. I forgot to mention that. But uh, you know, one more thing before we move on from the fascination that is AMG branding, you, you use the phrase the real AMGs, and it's interesting to me to hear that because in a few years that that won't mean anything to anybody. I don't think. Uh, I think you're gonna have to be a real enthusiast to understand that there used to be a different AMG. I think that the branding is going to take over and people will become used to the commoditization of those three letters with regards to Mercedes Benz. I'm not sure about that. I think they have a really fancy hypercar coming out that will help keep uh, AMG in the forefront of being some really interesting, unique, bespoke, well, I'm not, I'm not thing. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not da- disparaging AMG to say that. I'm just saying that people won't be able to dif- differentiate between the engines that are hand built and the ones that aren't. It won't matter, you know. Like to us, mm-hmm. it matters because we we saw the demarcation line from when that started mm-hmm. happening. But in a few years. 
people will just be like whatever it's an amg just like they're like whatever it's an m now no one no one bats an eye at the you know the the two series with the the m badge on the back that's not an m2 and mm-hmm. uh, the m550 all these vehicles no one really cares it, it, there was a time when people did and i think amg is going to get there really soon too Right. The, I remember the actually there was like a, a really quiet, short backlash on the M550 and the M2, uh, M235. I think when it came out, everyone was like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. And then it just died off. Everyone, everyone was like, oh, <laughs> it happened. We couldn't. Our outrage wasn't enough to stop it. Rarely is. <laughs> um, but let me tell you about this GLC. Now, the GLC, as you know, is the compact crossover that's, uh, I think, lightly based on the C-Class. Yeah, um, it, re- it replaced my beloved GLK, which was a car-slash-crossover-slash-tall-wagon I really liked. And I thought it yes. was really in- interestingly styled and different from, you know, the blobby kind of uh, Audi or BMW compact SUVs in that same space. And And then when the GLC came out... I felt betrayed because even though I've never owned one and never will, <laughs> they still owed me that right angle styling, you know, that kind of baby G-Class feel to the vehicle. I thought that was really neat, and now it's gone. It's gone forever. Uh, I agree with you. I do think the GLK had a very unique uh, styling um, when it was first introduced. It looked like a baby G-Class. That's, a best, that's the best way to put it. It was really rugged looking. But then when they introduced the GLC, it looks like they, they really – um, smoothed out the styling. Uh, I don't even even know if smoothed out the styling is the right way to put it. They they made it look like you're right. They made it look like a Q5 um, and an X3 combined into a Mercedes mold. Yeah, it's and, it's kind of anonymous. Like it's not unattractive. No, in fact, I do I do find it very. I I find it pretty pretty uh, actually pretty. But the interiors were really um, it really improved over the GLK. The GLK yeah. had a very basic uh, even. I, I'm a basic interior I found, and this one does not have that. But so when we're talking like, about is AMGs, it, we is it like tired. the new? Sorry to interrupt you, but the, that interior is it based on the current C-Class interior? Yeah, that really. I, I think maybe the more more time I spend in it, I start thinking it's like I, I describe it as like a, a nautical inspired because it's got like all this wood grain and and like um, and nice metal finishes or and circular vents. Because of the captain's like, hat. Yeah, and the captain's hat that's always in there. But it also has like these really steampunk like uh, toggles everywhere, which are which I like as well. Uh, and anchors, such. anchors embroidered on the seat, and oh yeah, maybe I was just in a boat and a harp, harpoon, <laughs> a harpoon in your hand, and the salt air in your nostrils. Um, but we're we're talking about all the boring stuff. I drove an AMG, and you want to talk about the interior? You want to talk about the stitching? Look, and, and you the... brought up the interior, and then you said That's nautical, true. and you know nautical is one of my trigger words, and I'm just gonna start. <laughs> I'm going to start reminiscing on a life I've never lived and probably never will now because I'm too old to make a change. <laughs> that's, uh, I guess that's true. I'm sorry to hear that, Ben. We're all are sorry. You sure, are you sure you can't just jump on a boat? I could, but no one would have me. They'd just toss me off the side. I mean, it's, I'm not a good crew member, I don't think. I think I'm more of a burden. I, 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 in, in nautical terms, I am ballast. Okay. Well, that's useful sometimes in some, in some areas. Yeah, um, maybe if you're in a hot air balloon. <laughs> well... I'll have to look into that. But for now, let me talk to you about this AMG. Let me explain to you how fast this thing is. It can outdo um, it can outdo the Mustang GT350 in a sprint to, to highway speeds. Uh, which uh, I- that's not that impressive. I mean, that engine's... I, so, some, some, some background. I took a GT350 to the drag strip last <laughs> summer, and I had my ass handed to me on a regular basis by pretty much every other Mustang there because there's no low-end torque in that motor. It's yeah. it's, it's for the track, really. Okay. 
right, and it's right. it's a great motor, but off the line, there's really nothing there until you get way up in the rev range. But wait, uh, when you say when you say AMG, which which one are you driving? Because there's, there's two. I mean right? the real the real AMG. The, the real six, AMG. Oh right, I'm not allowed to use that anymore, am I? Well, um, not if the AMG the branding police are listening. The 63 series AMG, which means it uses a four liter twin turbo V8 that makes 503 horsepower and 516 pound feet of torque, which is a ton of power so, and torque. What's that number then? The zero to 16 number. 3.8 seconds. See, that's that's very quick. That's more impressive to me than faster than a Mustang. Like, okay, like <laughs> name name some cars, and this thing is faster than. I mean, it's faster than Mustangs. It's faster than uh, almost everything in the BMW M lineup. Is it faster than two Mustangs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. What if what, they leave no, one no? after the other? <laughs> yeah. Um, a 911. Um, most 911s it could probably outdo as well, or at least most non-turbo S. Or non-turbo and turbo S models, um, it can outdo as well, which I think is really impressive for a car, a, a, a compact crossover. Well, the DB11. What? what about the Aston Martin DB11? Um, the the four liter and the tw- uh, the the four liter and the V12 versions, both of them slower than this car to to high to 62 miles per hour. And there's a there's a GLC 43, right? That's right. So there's there's another AMG model below this. So there's there's the regular GLC, which I think is a two liter turbo. The 300. Yep. And then is there a V6? Yeah, in the 43. No, is there is there a V6 below the 43? No. Okay. So there's three versions. And is there a diesel? Uh, not in not as far as I know in, in North America. Okay. The, re- the reason I'm asking is because what I find fascinating about this vehicle, if you look at Audi and BMW, they have nothing to match it. There is nothing this crazy no. in their life. The this X- has one true competitor, and that's the McCann Turbo, and that thing is only 440 horsepower. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's weird and cool that Mercedes was like, you know what, we're going to do what we used to do with AMG, and that's stomp all over everybody with horsepower for no reason at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you look yeah. at the E63 wagon. There's no Which, reason. For, there's no reason for that to exist. It has yeah. no competitors in North America whatsoever, and I don't think it has since the Cadillac CTSV wagon disappeared appeared and even then that was a really short window where where they were able to compete head to head and then you have now you have this glc 63 the x3 has nothing to to, to even come close the the sq5 not even close and like you said the macan is like the macan's a great vehicle but it's not that fast in a straight line i don't think no it's it's uh the the it does 4.2 seconds to highway to highway speeds or 62 Miles per hour. And I, I'm assuming it's smaller inside. I don't know why I feel that way, but I think it is. It l- certainly looks smaller. I'm not sure if uh, actual dimensions match it. Um, the other thing is the brand new Cayenne Turbo um, does it in 3.9. Okay. Well, and that's impressive because that's that significantly is. bigger yeah. than the GLC. So yeah. that's, you know, you're looking at a heavier um, mid size to full size SUV being able to keep up with this. Compact, whatever that word even means in the SUV yeah, world these that's days. That's right. Um, but what else do you want to know? This car is available both as an SUV and as a market uh, market described coupe, despite <laughs> having four doors and uh, being a crossover. Is that the uh, GL? What's what's that called? It's the called coupe. the GLC coupe. Oh, okay. GLC 63S Formatic Plus Coupe. Well, that was a bit of a letdown. I was I was hoping, I was hoping there was more to that, but. All right, yeah, uh, that that coupe, no thanks. Um, I I don't want to pay more for less u- utility and headroom and, and all of that, but and and less elegant styling. I don't know what people catch, um, what how this car catches their eye 
I don't uh, think it does because I don't think anyone buys them. I think the, I mean, traditionally the coupe SUVs have done very small business. Okay, then let me continue talking about what is pretty cool about this car. That motor is fantastic. Uh, Mercedes, as I think we mentioned last time we were talking about AMG cars, they have fantastic sounds coming out of their cars. Um, they have a part, they have an actual engineer um, who works five days a week. Um, trying to figure out what how to make their car sound better which i think has got to be one of the coolest jobs in the in the in the business does he wander around the facility with like earmuffs on to protect his extremely valuable like his <laughs> yeah, hearing he must he, honestly he must because uh, you know you figure they've got to be insured because if that goes and, and it's hard to detect hearing loss let me tell you you okay. don't know until someone's like did why why are you always asking me to repeat myself it's 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 insidious and it gets in a, in, a, in another life i was involved in the music industry and mm. it it it's tough man so like this guy that's his whole life it's like having it's like being a marathon runner you know your legs you got to keep them wrapped up at all times in good shape i don't know what marathon guys do but i'm just <laughs> yeah. assuming there's a market for like marathon yeah. like insurance for sure i'm i'm almost certain that, and this guy has to have ear insurance you're right um and yeah <laughs> He can only hear his engine like once or twice before he starts testing <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, this car sounds awesome. It sounds just like that, uh, like that uh, GTR that we we've driven recently. Um, this car shares a lot in common with that car, but more in common with maybe the E-Class AMG because it has the same four-wheel drive system, this Formatic Plus that makes up the last half of the name of this car. And gives um, you the gives you the ability to do that crazy zero to sixty. Is that with launch control, or does that just mash the, thro- the throttle and, and away you go? I think it's with the race drive setting. I don't know if that oh, okay. includes a, a launch control system. It does. Uh, I've, I've used it in okay. other AMG products. It's pretty intense. And here we go. Like. Why does a GLC have a, a race mode, which is pretty that, I mean, that's, that's cool, right? Like, that's kind of nuts, but it's cool. Well, I, I mean, no one's ever going to use it, like, ever. Like, I the love number. It, though. I love it. That's so cool. There should be a spec series that's just like unusually sized crossovers that have a race mode or that have some for, that have some form of performance potential. So it, it would, it, and, and you, no Cayennes, like, that's everyone knows. Like, it, weird stuff like the, the SRT Jeep. Yeah. And uh, this, the GLC. Uh, what else? What else could we throw in there? The Bentega. Let's put the Bentega okay, in there. Sure, we can. Put, what about this? The Quadrifoglio version of the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. Yeah, that's perfect because no. First of all, <laughs> no, that's their only way of marketing it. I yeah, think. that would be the ten sales right there. <laughs> You'd have to buy one to like race on the track, and another one to tow your racing Stelvio to the track. Like so, it's it's guaranteed two sales per team and three sales because you need a third one to to cannibalize spare parts from to get home at the end of the day. Wow, what did Selvio do to you, Ben? <laughs> um, but it's it's more about what it didn't do. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it, it I honestly I haven't driven the Selvio yet. I'm just basing my experience on uh, other Quadrifoglio encounters. All of those <laughs> other ones. But uh, yeah, I think I think there's a, a definitely um, we could get one summer of fun out of this before people tune out. <laughs> yeah, we can get entertainment for sure. Um, I, I I can't get enough of this AMG though. It's it is it's such a goofball car. It's it has you're, just like you mentioned. Um, it's like what old Mercedes used to do or you, old AMG used to be, and they're like, oh, you know what? People really like power and noises. <laughs> Let's just it, it, deliver them that, just to give them that. And, and they it's, did. And it's funny because the GLK was a single engine option for so long. 
Just it was like that cylinder. that six cylinder, and then there was a diesel. Did they get the diesel in the U.S.? I can't remember. Uh, the two fifty, yeah, it was one. Of the, I think it was the more affordable way to get the 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 GLK at the and, time. And, and the C class always got like the cool AMG treatment, and the mm-hmm. GLK was like, why not me? You know, and yeah. and I never understood that because it seemed like it would have been cool. And and at the it time, it seemed like it was a successful product. Like it had probably a ton of sales. Well, right. I, I, I just rationalized it by saying, well, it doesn't need it because BMW and Audi aren't doing it, and, and and but they're still not doing it, and and now they now Mercedes is like, no, wait a minute, we need a 500 horsepower version of this. I, I, I guess you know. That's... I think what happened is AMG became extremely popular, um, and people seem to be falling in love with the AMG name or brand um, more than anyone anticipated. And now there's more AMG versions of everything, right? Did you fa- did you fall in love, Sammy? Is that what happened in, in Stuttgart? I... Yes, I fell in love. Me and me and the AMG brand are 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 trying to tie the knot right now, but uh, there's a lot of German traditions that I have and and loopholes that I have to jump through. I'm sure there is tests of strength and whatnot. It's and so totally much lederhosen. Not, it's not easy. That stuff does not breathe. Yeah, and I need. I'm, you've seen me. I sweat just sitting still. It's he's worse. a nervous person, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Especially when he's getting married to a piece of metal. <laughs> An entire company. Um, <laughs> The what else can I tell you about this AMG? What do you want to know about it, man? I want uh, to know if uh, first of all, what's the price? I have no price. I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. But okay, well, what do you think it's going to cost? I think it'll cost maybe seventy thousand uh, US. Uh, so, it's got to, as much as the AMG, the C class AMG. That's I think that's that starts around seventy, and I think you can just tack on the usual crossover tax to that. I would like to think that if you were shopping for a a V8 powered crossover. At seventy thousand, you could probably get into a V8 X5. Okay. You think? I think you could do that. Yeah. I'm looking now because I don't know off the top of my head, but it seems like an entry level V8 X5 would be around that price. I think you're right. Okay, it starts. At, the X5 starts at fifty six. Mm-hmm. That's for the six cylinder rear wheel drive. And that's for the six cylinder. So I'm checking out now. Okay. Here what we go. it would actually cost. But uh, and like the if you we were right, I like this. If you were to look at, can you get into a GLE with a V8 at that price? Is is, is there sure. a G is there a GLE with a V8? Oh no, the four that's the they only have the four hundred or the the six cylinder I think. Yeah, the the twin turbo six. So this is another interesting thing about this AMG, and I realize we're talking a lot about it, and I'm surprised about that, mm-hmm. but it, it really is an interesting uh, car. It, it's it's leapfrogged the uh, GLE, which traditionally has always had an AMG version that's been pretty kick ass. I think the the GLE still has an AMG version. Uh, it's just very expensive. Well, I thought you said there was just the 43 and there was no V8. The GLE has yeah. definitely has a, a 63. Um, oh, okay. And it's a all right then. Well, forget system. everything I just said because I, I'm a fool. But it's a different it's a different V8. It's um I think it's a 5.5 liter. Okay, so the um if you want to get into the X Drive 50, which is the 4.4 liter twin turbo V8. From the X5, you're looking at a $73,000 charge, and it's a full second slower than GLC because it's a lot bigger, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have as much power. So 445 horsepower. So it's down about 100 horsepower, or maybe 80. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a weird vehicle. I, I don't know how many they'll sell, but um, they're gonna be awesome. Everyone you see, uh, that's the thing that I, I that really stuck with me. It was just such a a great little car. Um, because of just how much, how bonker, how much personality it had. You know what and I mean? And I'm sure, you know, and Mercedes loves these cars because they have a vehicle that has a very 
you know, respectable entry level price. Yeah. And now they have a version of that vehicle that's close to double. <laughs> yeah. I what mean, that entry level price is. I mean, that's, and, I, that we're in, we're we are speculating on the price. Maybe they'll they'll surprise. We us. are speculating, but if you start to think about options, we know how that works with Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you can add at least fifteen or twenty thousand dollars of options to whatever the MSRP is for this GLE. Mm-hmm. GLC, sorry. Um. One el- other element, I, I mentioned the all-wheel drive system. This is the Formatic Plus. It allows for 100% rear-wheel drive. Um, I don't know why that's useful, but it is. Um, but what's 100% four-wheel drive? What does that mean? Uh, rear-wheel drive. Oh, okay, 100% sorry. rear-wheel drive. See, this uh, is a hearing loss. That's what I was talking about. I'm sorry to hear that, Ben. I think you need some help. I don't, I don't think you can work at AMG Sound. I'm wearing shirt. three sets of headphones just to be able to hear you. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. What, did nobody tell you that wasn't normal? And there's no one in my life but you, Sammy. Okay. I think that's normal. Um, and another interesting element is it has a nine-speed transmission. Have you ever heard of the, about these nine-speed transmissions from AMG? Yeah, I drove one in the uh, – I believe it's the same transmission that's in the um, E43. Right. That I drove. They call it an MCT, which stands for multi-clutch technology. Ben, I'll I'll quiz you on this. How many clutches do you think are in the multi-clutch technology <laughs> transmission two two i don't think there i think there's just one <laughs> what i think so nobody can no it doesn't drive like a that. it doesn't drive like a single clutch vehicle it didn't drive like a single clutch when i when i was behind the wheel it apparently replaces the torque converter on the the torque converter with a wet clutch and i suppose that to that's it like that's as far as i can understand so it's a multi-clutch single clutch <laughs> yeah okay. i think we're gonna have to explore this topic on a future podcast <laughs> i think you're right um I absolutely love this car. I can't wait to see what the price is. Um, I don't think that'll make or break the car. I think people who really enjoy uh, AMGs and the GLCs, and I think there's a really good combination there, um, they're going to like this car too. I mean, these are vehicles for whoever walks into this shop and has to have the most expensive version of whatever they want to buy. Yeah, that's but that's what I think this is a very attractive car. I think it's more it's better looking than the GLE right now. It has the whole new um, design philosophy inside and out. And... Um, and now it's got the most modern engine and drivetrain that Mercedes offers. Not to mention probably the thirstiest in the in the lineup. That's very true. Um, what about you? You drove you drove some really interesting um, hardware this week, and yeah, not I, that, but you we got actually a question about it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't go to a Falterback or Stuttgart uh, this week. <laughs> but you're still but I, in the in the worldwide the the world class city of Montreal. That's right, and um, I had the opportunity, and still have the opportunity, because it's still parked outside my house right now, to drive the 2017 or 2018. I'm, I don't haven't looked at the registration, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter <laughs> because they're exactly the same, and we'll get to that in a second. What but is it's it? The, it's the Nissan 370Z. Nice, the old so, Z car, and that's really cool because you have an old Z car. Yeah, I do have an old Z car, and uh, look a at, Z car that's as old as this one, I think. And if you <laughs> if you look on autoguide.com in the future, in the next couple of weeks, there'll be a comparison feature just talking about not how the cars compare to each other so much, just discussing how you know Nissan's managed to what they've managed to keep from the original Z and where they might want to go in the future if they decide to update the car. But in terms of how this car drives. There's a there's a lot to like and there's a lot to not like about the 370Z and the problem is it really depends on what year you drove it because this car hasn't really changed since 2009 Sam. Okay. This is this That's is the a same long time for it to not change. That's nearly 10 years. It is a long time, especially if you consider that 
how competitive the coop the the you know we always talk about how no one buys coupes and that's true mm-hmm. but you know what people do buy mustangs camaros and challengers why and those i don't understand because, why those ones are sold and the other ones are not well t- in my opinion it's because they offer a full engine lineup so you okay. can buy an inexpensive mustang that still looks like the 5 liter v8 mustang so you get the the look of the performance and truth be told the the entry level engines for all of these cars are decent so it's not a penalty box like it used to be, and it allows you to you know live the life with an affordable payment. Okay. But then you start to come to cars like the 370Z, which haven't evolved whatsoever, still using older technology, and still using older features. And what Nissan's had to do uh, in the last couple of years, they dropped the price. The base price of the 370Z is twenty nine thousand dollars. Twenty nine. Beautiful 99. price, man. Yeah. Anything under 30 k is considered, yeah. you know, pretty much a, a bargain, especially with that much power and that kind of engine, right? Well, it's 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 under thirty k by five bucks, but okay. it's under thirty k by five bucks in both Canada and the U.S., which is interesting. The price is identical, even though the currencies don't have the same value, and that's because no one's buying it. Mm-hmm. Is this thing has been on a sales nosedive for a very long time, and that's what happens when you don't invest in a vehicle, when you don't keep it fresh. But if you were looking for, like you said, that's a bargain price for a sports car. And our question actually came in from Blake, one of our listeners on the Facebook page, and he's he owns a a Genesis Coupe, uh, 3.8 R spec. Okay. So again, this one is of the competitors very- to that to that um, to that hierarchy of sports cars at that 30k price point. Right? Yeah, like, so uh, it's right around there. He yeah. he bought it in twenty. He he has a twenty thirteen model. Okay. So they don't make the Genesis Coupe anymore again because coupe sales are very low, mm-hmm. and it just across the board it's hard for companies to keep these cars in their lineups. So he 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 was comparing it against the Z, and what pushed him into the Genesis Coupe, he says, is because he needed the back seat for his kid, and that makes a lot of sense. There's no back seat in the Z, and you know what's funny is there's actually more space inside my Z, the, the original Z, in the hatch area than there is in the new car, even though the new car is way bigger. <laughs> but your like, car is like a 2 plus 2, and I don't think the, the No, it's not a 2 plus 2. It's oh, a 2 I thought it was. No, the 2 plus 2s are hideous. I would never own one of those. Okay. Um, they, you, can tell, you can tell the original Z 2 plus 2s because they have an extended roof. It's like they, they cut and like put in a, a rectangle of steel and then welded well, everything together. does. Yeah, and and they're they're not attractive cars for the most part, but uh, you know now that the price of this the one I'm driving is that base model is that twenty nine nine ninety five, three seventy Z. There's some weird stuff going on. Okay, so, talk to me. What's weird about a three seventy? So like, what's weird about a three seventy Z? It's the same thing we've seen for so long, right? It's well, just that so now in context. It, now in context, in in all, we're almost in 2018, and I'm driving a base car that has Bluetooth for my phone, mm-hmm. but not for streaming music. That weirds me what? out. Yeah, it's not available unless you step up to the touchscreen with navigation. Hold up. So you have to how, you have to pay. All, a, how is that possible? How can there be a different a, module for the Bluetooth that only that allows? Because like, it's a totally different where radio. The, where does the but where does the where does the cell phone hook up like play audio to? You, I, I I don't have the answer to that. If I was it. to call you, where would the audio go to? The, the it speaker? goes to the stereo. It goes to the very basic so stereo that's in the what car. What if I just call you and uh, play your music for you? Well, you could do that, and that would be very kind of you. And I know you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> but when you're not in a falter back doing fancy stuff that I'm not doing. But um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Blake's Genesis Coupe, the 3.8 R spec, I'm pretty sure 
in 2013 had streaming audio through Bluetooth. There's no I, way I, it didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take that uh, I'll take that bet. And it's you know a lot about that R spec car matches <laughs> or exceeds the 370Z on paper. You've got a the R so the 370Z has 330 horsepower, 332 right around there. Yep. From a 3.7 liter v- V6, but the Genesis Coupe R spec with the V6 had 348 horsepower and just under 300 pound feet of twist. Which, so like yeah. that's that's pretty decent. That's really uh, that's good. That's better. And than... it also you also got a limited slip diff. Yeah. You got a stiffer suspension system than the base car. You got sports seats up front. Brembo's. Uh, don't you have Brembo's? Yeah, I I don't remember. Yeah, you're right. It does have Brembo's. I think those sports seats were also leather. You had HID headlights. You had a whole bunch of cool stuff. Yeah. It also comes with rear seats, though, the the Genesis Coupe. It does. It comes with rear seats. So the point I'm making is this is a six-year-old coupe that was developed by a company that doesn't have a reputation for performance, at least not in that era. And it it was good. I've had it on the track, and I had fun with it. Mm -hmm. The chassis is fun. The V6 is – I've always liked it more than the turbo version of the car. The turbo version is fine. Yep. But I found the V6 just good sound. Uh, I believe there's a, a sport exhaust you could get with it, an, an optional sport exhaust that it just really let it rip. And um, it, it started about in the era that was a you know the base price for a Genesis Coupe was 24 grand, mm-hmm. and the R spec was closer to 30 mm-hmm. for the for the V6. But it's it's so weird to me that the, you know flash forward six years. And the the Genesis Coupe is gone, but the Z car still exists in exactly the same form. Yeah, um, that's kind of sad, actually. What is allowing Nissan to keep this thing in its current form with so limited um, changes, and and it's dated significantly? What, well, I, is it still good in this form? I mean, sometimes me and you, you know, drone on about pure sports cars. Um, and lightweight sports cars and things that need to be, you know, thrown around. Um, is this that or what? So I think what keeps the car around is I'm sure it's inexpensive to build. Mm-hmm. Um, but really? I think you think that, yeah, I think all the tooling has been paid for. I think okay. <laughs> it's been long enough, but, uh, what I think is, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very fun car to drive. It's, uh, it has a lively chassis. It, it, it you're not insulated from the road, although the steering's not as great as as it could be. It's still pretty damn good. Okay. Uh, again, it's a two seat sports car. There's not many of those uh, on the market, and there's certainly none at the same at the price that this one's available at. You're not going to find a a two seater. And I know for Blake that was a deal breaker because it it's a vehicle he needed to use every day. I think for some people they might look at that and think, oh, for a weekend toy I can live with two seats, so I'm going to go with this. Uh, all those things that are missing from the car, if you wanted to add them, you can do that if you want to spend more money. Mm-hmm. The, the the issue I think for the Z for a long time was you were you were competing against cars like the Corvette mm-hmm. in terms of price at that, like for, for the Nismo model. They're not super close anymore, but there was a while where they kind of the parabolas of their pricing kind of uh, intersected. And I think that hurt the car because it just doesn't have they, they haven't changed the engine in so long. It's everyone's gone turbo. Everyone's done crazy stuff. And there have been turbo Zs. There's been not just the 300 ZX that we saw, ZX, sorry, America, Mm -hmm. uh, that we saw in the (laughs) 90s. But there was also in the 80s, the early 80s, mid 80s, there was a 280 ZX, which was also turbo. Yeah. But Nissan's just like, they kind of dug their heels in and they're like, no, this is what the Z is. And we've, I think I've done a lot of reading uh, about the the Tokyo Motor Show that just happened. And they pretty much said at Nissan that we're not getting another Z car. 
That's crazy. That, blow, that blows my mind. And you know what? It's interesting that you brought up the older Zs. The older Zs felt like, um, um, I wouldn't call them a, a Halo or flagship vehicle, but they showed off a lot of really cool technology. I remember the 300ZX had twin turbo. Um, I think it had some fancy steering technology, maybe rear wheel steering or something like uh, that. I think I it was the high cast system, I think, in that era. But it's, you know, I think they were Halo cars for a time, at least in the early 90s, for all the reasons you just mentioned. But they were also grand touring cars. Uh, they were heavier. Okay. They weren't. That was the era where Japan, pretty much all the Japanese cars got bigger and heavier except for the RX-7. Yeah, and more powerful, yep. Yeah, and uh, if you look at the new Z, the current Z, it's not really a grand touring car. It kind of is. Mm-hmm. But if you want the grand touring car, you get the Q60, right? right? Yep. You, so that's and, – and before that, you could get the G37, the G35. They made coupe versions of that. What They had a rear seat. That was more – it was a softer suspension. It was the same platform, the FM platform, I believe. Okay. So uh, it's it's weird. It's like the, the Z lives on in its own kind of no man's land. And, you know, to be honest, when the Z first came out – uh, it was kind of on its own, too, because no one was offering an affordable, reliable sports car in America. It just wasn't there. You could buy British stuff that was mostly roadsters, and you couldn't be rely- couldn't considered reliable. Mm-hmm. You could buy a Jaguar coupe that was super expensive. Mm-hmm. You could buy a Corvette that was not really a sports car, more of a muscle car. So maybe Nissan's come full circle with the Z, and that's where it's sitting now. Like This is one of the few sports cars uh, in its price range. Okay, I see still where you're has coming that, from. You know that two-seater uh, ex- experience. I see where you're coming from, and um, I really, I really appreciate you answering uh, Blake's question and and going into all that into your previous drive history of the Genesis. I definitely agree with you. The Genesis was not a bad a bad vehicle at all, um, and it was it was killed off what felt like very quickly. Um, and uh, it's interesting to still see the 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 370Z stand on as this standalone true sports car that Nissan uh, offers. And I think, you know, if you look at the roads, I see a lot of Genesis Coupes out there still. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I also still feel like I see a lot of uh, 350 and 370Zs as well. I see fewer of the 350s. It's weird. They've kind of started to disappear over. Even at the racetrack, I'm seeing more 370s and 350s. I don't know if they've just been aged out and abused and they're mm. they're just not around anymore. Uh, they're a great deal. I think they're under 10 for something decent, you know. Um, again, it's it's... It's. I would love for Nissan to continue making sports cars because I'm all for companies to keep making sports cars. But we've talked again and again and again about the reality of how few people are buying two-door coupes, and uh, the the Z is one of those one of those victims. I mean, if people aren't buying a car like the Cayman, which is perhaps the best driving car under a hundred thousand dollars you can buy, then mm-hmm. what hope does Nissan have for the Z, which hasn't changed since 2009? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You're right. I don't know. And it really hurts me to under, to believe that there isn't going to be a new Z car. I think that this is a, a it's a car that's been around for so long. It has a legacy and to see it go away is, is I don't know. It just doesn't well, you know, right. it has It has gone away in the past and it came back. So, you know, that could always happen this time, too. OK, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just going to maybe it's just going to be zombie Z from now on. It's it's <laughs> like you said, it's not a, there's nothing bad about the car. It's just old and it's hard when it's put up against more modern vehicles, especially stuff like Mustang and Camaro, which are ridiculously competent now. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is a great car. It's fun to drive. But in a straight line, it's going to get its butt handed to it by anything with a, a V8 or even, I, I don't know if the EcoBoost Mustang in a straight line, I think this is 5.1 seconds to 60. Okay, So, wow. 
yeah, it, it's it's not it's not really a straight line car. It's it's a it's a road course car. It's a fun you know throw it around kind of car. Mm-hmm. But it's not super light either. It's like just it's over three thousand pounds. It's just this whole this it's just a whole bunch of stuff. Like I like the car, but I, I don't understand how it's competitive anymore because it's not. And it's weird to it's kind of weird to look at it with that lens. Like if we were talking about the car five years ago, mm-hmm. I think we would be a lot more um, I don't know what the word would be more accepting of the flaws in the car mm-hmm. i mean it's it's loud inside it's uh it's it doesn't it feels a little not i don't know it just doesn't have the same level of execution that you would expect from other nissan products that are more modern okay i can i understand and i'm i'm i don't believe the z is truly dead um i'm still holding out um i i feel like i don't understand i mean i think nissan has a really interesting platform that's being used on the infinity side of things and if they can find a way to shorten it and make it like for the q50 and q60 if they can make that if they make a tinier version of the q60 uh with less equipment and stick a z badge on it i'd be pretty stoked i don't know about you but i'd be pretty it's an interesting it's an interesting idea because if you think about it infinity does not sell a lot of cars no so you have a q60 coupe which is probably the least popular car in their lineup. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't know that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just based on how the market is. So the it must be, it, since it's the luxury market, since they can charge quite a bit for options, there must be a profitability window in there for them. Mm-hmm. Does that profitability window extend to Nissan if they were to use that platform for the Z? I think that's the big question. But if the platform's already there, then I agree with you. Why not use it for 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 Nissan's sports car? There we go. We filled the next generation uh, 370Z <laughs> with with a little bit of an assist from Infinity and yeah. Nissan's engineering team. Yeah. Um, all right, that's cool. Uh, what we've got another thing we can talk about real quick. Um, another another sports coupe. Another another sports coupe. Yeah. Who doesn't like talking about these? Um, the we we saw leaked photos and information of the upcoming Camaro, uh, not Camaro, Corvette, um, Corvette ZR1, brand new ZR1, ZR1, Sammy, ZR1, right. ZR1, right. oopsies. Um, this is not the mid-engined Corvette that everyone keeps thinking is happening. This is no. a 750 horsepower version of the Z06, I suppose. It, it you know and and how it leaked was it's on the cover of Car and Drivers December issue right and somehow it's that entire story yeah. <laughs> leaked online in in PDF form I guess yeah uh, so there's a lot a lot a lot of information about it the craziest thing about this car Sammy is uh 750 horsepower top 10 uh top speed of 200 210 miles per hour and what about the cost of like 120 thousand dollars. It is, you know. What do you think? I per- are, what is the cra- is, are those the crazy things? I think so. Uh, honestly, 750 horsepower and 680 pound-feet of torque in a Corvette is that. Personally, I, I don't want it. It's I just, a lot I'm of say horsepower, that, man. I can say that right now. It's it's no thank you. I don't need it. I don't want it. Again, you know, I was just talking about five years ago. If we were talking about the Z. Let's go back five years and, and talk about the idea of a 750 horsepower Corvette that doesn't have like Lingenfelter or something badged on it somewhere, you know? That's a lot of power for that that platform. And I've driven – the. you look at the cars like the Grand Sport, 
and it's such a well-executed sports car, like mm -hmm. a V8 sports car. Mm -hmm. And and I, I'm trying to think how adding 300 horsepower <laughs> to that mix makes it any better. It just makes it scarier to me. I mean, that's definitely possible. Um, I've I've just gotten a little bit more comfortable with 500 horsepower cars, uh, as we were talking about earlier today with the GLC. Uh, and we've both driven some of those really fancy uh, AMG GTRs, which have... Um, north of 550 horsepower, I think. That, you know, tire technology, as we've discussed in the past, and stability control have allowed cars to be more powerful and still stable. But 750 horsepower is a lot of horsepower, man. That's a lot. It is It is a lot of horsepower. And you have to wonder, that chassis, was it ever designed for that level of horsepower? Was it, The Z06 is like, what, 600, 650? I believe it's so 650, this is, yeah. So this is 100 horsepower more. And I mean, I've driven... I've driven cars with more horsepower than that. Yeah. And, yeah, me too. But it doesn't But I've it also driven mean... all-wheel drive versions of these cars with 750 horsepower, and those still, like, those still <laughs> got sideways. Like, they, they still lost traction easily. So is it is it faster? I don't know. Maybe if you're an expert race car driver, it might be. Is it more fun? No. In, in my opinion, there's no way this car is more fun than a Z06. It's, I think this is it's, it's a, a really score, it's a top score contest sort of thing. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's it's a it's a very it's a it's a great way to advertise the engineering strengths of your company. It's a great way to one up your neighbors. <laughs> um, it's a great way to have people scared of you on the racetrack at a at a high performance driving event. And uh, I mean, if you think about, remember the Z, the the old uh, ZR1 Corvette and how that was a squirrely car to drive, mm -hmm. and how getting the maximum performance out of that car on a racetrack was really difficult compared to the Z06. Mm -hmm. I think I think we'll see a similar thing with the ZR1, or we'll see a situation where electronics have been installed so as to soften the car to a huge degree. And do Unless all the racing you, and do all the speed do all the speed for you, right? Like not necessarily do all the speed for you, but protect you from the speed until you put PTM into race mode and then just kind of do whatever you want to <laughs> do. I mean, they're gonna insulate you from it so that you'll be able to drive it to the golf course and uh, pull up on that great big wing and pull your clubs out and go inside. And you know, I don't know. It just it, it this is it's it's it. I always thought that that rear wheel, sorry, the rear engine Corvette that we're getting would be like the apex yeah. of the, of, yeah, and, 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 and now there's this, and it's like, so where does that other car fit in? Yeah. Is it going to be a separate model line? Is it going to be something to the side of Corvette, like Corvette Plus? I mean, assuming or, it actually exists. I don't know whether or not the like, mid-engine Corvette is a real thing that's happening. I mean, that people have been saying. a lot of pictures. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying it's coming, but. Yeah, for like 40 years. But there, yeah. there are still there are still a lot of pictures of it. Okay, so whatever that is, then I guess is what I'm saying. Is that is that Chevrolet's AMG Project One? Is that? I guess. Is that, I don't know. Is that there? Yeah. Is is it not Corvette related? I'm not sure. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know anything about about what this car could possibly be. It seems like a uh, and, and does it, does it Corvette or does Chevrolet? need something to drum up more interest or did they get embarrassed by the g the four gt or something like what well, that's what i'm asking you so here here's, and this, here's an and interesting this corvette this new zl1 it can't is not enough that's nuts that's crazy to think about man <laughs> well here's here's my question that only sammy can answer oh goodness is there room in the chevrolet universe for a high performance halo car that does not have a corvette badge i don't i don't think so I don't so think so. I think so because for right now in the in the Chevrolet lineup of things, they have yeah. some really good products that 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 each serve a really good um, 
They have they each serve a really good purpose. On the very high end performance end of things, that's the Corvette every time. That's the car that they race with and dominated with. They just killed it with Corvette race cars. And then you can buy that thing um in your own dealership, driving around town and be like, heck yeah, I'm talking Corvette championships right here. And then on the other end, they've got all these really badass electronic cars. Well, maybe not badass in the best way to describe the Bolt and the Volt, but they're like, those are Halo products in their in their own right that are showcasing the technological capabilities that um, Corvette, I mean, that Chevrolet has. And but but you brought up the AM the you brought up the Ford GT and Ford's kind of in a, in a unique situation in the sense that there was nothing above the Mustang that wasn't the Mustang right so they didn't have to worry about like Chevrolet has Camaro but Ford never had a Corvette it was never their thing so you could kind of argue that the Boss is the the, the GT350 that's their that's their Corvette version of the Mustang but it gave them a lot of space to make. Uh, the the Ford GT and it you know the Ford GT is also ridiculously expensive so mm-hmm. it's clearly on another level but but they it, then they they didn't really go I mean am I am I wrong to say that Ford didn't really go road racing um, until that GT showed up and it was like the reason to go hit the track uh, and well I mean Lamont and do endurance racing and sports car racing well Ford's been Ford Ford races in NASCAR and, and does a lot of other things. Yeah, so, but you can't uh, buy that you can't get that stock car in any way on the on the road, right? No, but I, I kind of see what you're saying. I guess for, for what I'm what I'm curious is the Chevrolet capable of making a GT competitor, an, a Ford GT competitor that doesn't have a Corvette badge or is only tangentially related to Corvette and then continue selling Corvette below that. Because do you think that this mid-engine Corvette, if it's real, is faster than the ZR1? This mid-engine Corvette is faster than the ZL1, and that's just based on the idea of it being a mid-engine Corvette. There's no additional thing that they're throwing in there like electric yeah. motors or I don't know. Oh, who knows? Who knows? I'm just saying that this, whatever this is, do you think it will be faster than the ZR1? This new ZR1, this new ZR1 has a top speed of 210 miles per hour. So How is can the is the be faster than that? So is the mid-engine Corvette 211 miles that's per hour? Insane. Like is, that's not possible. Like that blows my mind. <laughs> it won't be. It can't be. I don't know, man. That's insane. So that's that's the question I think we're going to leave everyone with this week. Uh, if you have an opinion, you should get a hold of us on Twitter or Facebook. And on yeah. Twitter, you can find Sammy. He's at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Mm-hmm. You can find me at Hunting Benjamin. And on Facebook, it's Unnamed Automotive Podcast. That's right. Um, and you can also go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com to subscribe to our podcast in whatever using whatever you know format that you use, iTunes, or um, we even have uh, any sort of subscribe button. There. How does it work, Ben? I don't really know how the internet works. Well, you just you just clickety clickety click on the web and, <laughs> and you get to us. Uh, you can find us iTunes and Google Play Music, like Sammy said. A lot of other popular um, podcasting yeah. services. We're, we're out there as well. Unnamed Automotive Podcast is the search terms to use. Uh, the the other thing too is on the unnamedautomotivepodcast.com as well as the Facebook page. You will find links to articles that we've written about the cars that we talk about because we also do that all the time we're, we're always driving new stuff writing writing it up doing videos so if you want to get more in depth with what we've been driving and talking about just go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com find the episode and you'll see the links associated with that episode um but for now thank you for listening and we'll catch up with you guys next week and sammy what are you doing next week oh i've got my hands on a pair of subcompacts <laughs> the Kia Rio and the Honda Fit too. Um, well, the Honda Fit is a pretty popular, very it, it sets a nice high benchmark, and the Kia Rio is one of the more 
uh, newer products in this segment. So I'm going to see how they how they compare. So next week, I'm heading to Los Angeles, California to drive the new Kia Stinger. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't driven that yet, and I'm very excited about it. It's a Kia's rear-wheel drive sports hatchback thingy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of they're trying to take it to the Germans in terms of performance, so we'll see how that works out. I've heard good things. And when I come home, there will be a Lexus LC500 waiting for me in my driveway, a car I drove earlier this year, all the way back in February, in which I liked very much. But I want to see what it's like driving it day-to-day in Montreal when it's freezing outside, <laughs> Like it is right now. Uh, another thing, driving the Z around on these summer tires is not the. It's it's, a, it's an interesting experience. So the LC500, I think, will compound that interest. <laughs> I can't wait to check that out, and it's really cool to have a double doubling up on some Kia content next week. That'll be fun. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>